Hey, what's up, everyone out there in a primo land? Hope you're having a good week. Thanks for taking a pause for the cause and joining us for another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I'm Sam Chapman and head of content here at Aprimo, joined as always by our host and CMO, Ed Brialt. Ed, we've got a veritable marketing luminary and author in the studio today. Who are we talking to and what should our audience be on the lookout for in terms of key takeaways? We are talking to Marcus Sheridan. If you don't know Marcus, and you should, he's an international keynote speaker. I've seen him on big stages. He's normally in a big room, inspiring thousands of people, walking all around it and funny story uh i do have this podcast office in my home and after this my wife asked me who i was yelling at and with we got fiery in this podcast (laughs) that's amazing and i think you know everyone will tune into uh, not to spoil it but he's got a lot of really actionable takeaways and and also just some down-to-earth kind of insights on what we do you know from dropping the marketing speak the buzzword bandwagon bingo and you know just common mistakes we make and how we can change to shift the narrative around marketing as a whole absolutely yeah i mean some of my favorite takeaways and for the audience to really listen for are his formula for trust which is foolproof it's basically buying process or sales process minus fear equals trust We break that down, you know, just really trying honesty. It's the best advice I've ever received. Also, uh, we talk about the five types of content to produce uh, when telling great stories, connecting with audiences, uh, revolving around problems, pricing and cost, verse and comparison, reviews, and then best in class. And uh, one of my favorite topics in there also was fear brainstorming which is something that all brands should be brave enough to have a conversation about answering questions like who's not a good customer who's who should we let know explicitly is not a good customer for my brand and um yeah i I credit uh, marcus for a lot of good things that he's done for the brands that i've helped uh grow amazing well sounds like a good one folks so strap in and ed i will catch you on the flip side here we go Welcome to another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. My name is Ed Brielt, CMO at Aprimo, host of Marketing Cheat Codes. And I'm ridiculously excited to have Marcus Sheridan on today. Um, Marcus, I was thinking about how to kick this off. You know, of course, you're a thought leader, keynote speaker, author, entrepreneur. You've just, we'll call it, inspirer of sales and marketing folk across the world. Um, I've been inspired by you. My first, and I never told you this, but I credit you 100% with being the person who had me very frantically, I am, text my team. I was in the green room. We were both at a uh, a marketing conference in in Toronto, and you were speaking. I was like, wow, I'm not doing this. I credit you with with me fast-tracking a pricing page on my website. It was good on you. Yeah. It, you, you got into these, these conversations on removing fear from the buying process. And I was like, why are we doing this? And of course it was, you know, some organizations have, I'll call it trepidation and, or we think it's hard. Maybe our pricing is hard, but even if you just put out the, here's how we price, then that was the advice I got from you. So this was in 18, I think. But um, but thank you for that, Marcus. 
Well, you know, it goes back to this, and, and you're very welcome. What? Why do we not like to talk about pricing? Because we say things like, it could commoditize what I sell. I could scare them away. My competitors could find out, right? Uh, we're a very customized solution. What we've found time and time again is the thing that actually commoditizes anything is ignorance in the marketplace. And what allows ignorance? It's us. We allow ignorance to exist. So if somebody is ever surprised about pricing, they're surprised because we didn't teach them well enough right. during that buying process. And oh, by the way, it's a buying process for those listening. It ain't a sales process. <laughs> exactly. It is a buying process. They are dictating the terms. The other thing about if you look at cost and price, it's like, just analyze your own behavior for a second. If you go to a website and you're looking for cost and price information, you cannot find it. What's the emotion you experience? You get frustrated. Do you sit there and look on the website a long time? Nope. In fact, most people stay less than 10 seconds. Do you say to yourself, oh, that's okay. They're a value-based business. I'm going to call them on the phone instead. Nope. You don't do that because you keep searching and you search until you find what you're looking for. And generally speaking, whoever gives you what you're looking for, they're going to get your business, first contact, first phone call, the whole nine, right? And then we say things like, yeah, but uh, it's a very customized solution. Okay. So could you explain what drives cost up? Could you explain what drives cost down? Could you explain why some companies are expensive, why some companies are cheap? And the answer to all those is yes. Sadly, Ed, oftentimes we don't answer that unless we're asked. By that point, we've lost the majority of the people that were asking the question to start, right? Because most of the research happens before they reach out to us. We say things like, I don't want my competitors to find out. But really, our competitors, if they're worth their salt, just like us, we have a sense for what our competitors charge. For sure. So it doesn't make any sense. Why would we allow fear of what the competition might find out to hinder our ability to engender trust with the marketplace? And then finally, we say things like, well, if, if, it's, if we're more expensive, we could scare them away. No, 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 no. Great education doesn't scare people away. It's actually appreciated. What scares people away online is what's called ignorance. Yeah. When they're not shown or told or explained, and that's when they get very, very frustrated. Absolutely. And you, you've got a lot of cheat codes in here, Marcus. So I'm really excited. One of them is it's like three very simple words and we'll unpack a lot of this that's driving that um, closing, I'll call it the ignorance gap, the curiosity gap, the need to know gap, but answer customers' questions. These are three words that, that you, you evangelize about and, those three words are super powerful. When, when did you first, I'll call it, take me back to the beginning on that moment when you realized that that was so true and then you started to put effort on doing that, answering customers' questions? You know, I think for me, so there's, there's two parts of that uh, to answer mm -hmm. this question. I started with two buddies, a swimming pool company in 2001. And no, I did not think I'd ever be a pool guy, but it just so I kind of fell into it in 2001. And uh, we were growing the business. And then in 2008, the market collapsed and I thought we were going to lose it. I thought I was going to file bankruptcy. And that's when I started to really research online. And for me, it started with a company called HubSpot and I was reading about inbound marketing mm -hmm. and I was reading about content marketing. I was reading about social media and blogging. And when I heard in my simple pool guy mind was, you know, Marcus, if you just obsess over your customer's questions and you're willing to address them on your website, you just might save your business, right? And the other side to it was that I said, well, how am I evolving as a buyer? And it was pretty obvious. I was going online by this point 
In 2008, 2009, you figured by that point, we'd all been using the internet for 10, 11, 12 years in earnest by that point, right? Because 96, 97 was, the, was, was really the big transitionary period. Yeah. And so today, we're 20, you know, we're 25, 26 years into this. And so the point, though, is, is we've clearly established a pattern with ourselves. I'm just self-aware. And I was seeing, I am doing this. I ain't no different. My customers are doing this too. What do I want to know? I want to know things like, give me a sense for cost and what could go wrong and how could this blow up in my face Uh and how does this compare to the other thing that I'm looking at, right? It was so obvious to me. Now, what was interesting though, is that as soon as I said, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to call it they ask you answer. Immediately, it was like, bam. Customers started saying, I just want to thank you so much because finally you were willing to address this thing. Because in my case, nobody learns in high school how much a pool costs. Right. How, they don't learn in university. How much does it really cost? Like what's yeah. the true cost of – Nobody's taught them that. Yeah. They don't know. So it was I was like this sense of gratitude that people had. And of course, I had the analytics. I had the numbers. It generated a mountain of leads and ultimately – an updated number on that first cost article I wrote, Ed, pretty phenomenal numbers, $25 million in sales started on that article that became a customer for River Pools. Answering one question. <laughs> Answering one question. 45 minutes it took me to write that article at my kitchen table one night. 45 wow. minutes. Talk about ROI. That's like a half a million dollars <laughs> every minute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds insane. But I mean, you, you've cr- that is like an ultimate cheat code in advancing business strategies, building audiences, and then you have this ridiculously awesome formula for building yes. trust, which yes. is that the buying process minus fear equals trust. I think that formula works with it. If you take fear out of anything, you're building trust, but apply it now to uh the buying process, right? Which is uh, yeah, yeah, which is why the key part that you're talking about here, Ed, is leaning into the fear, not away from it. The things that most businesses are nervous about talking about—that's what gets me most excited, because that's where the profit lies, and that's certainly where the trust lies. Because again, nobody to this day, Ed, to this day, ninety per, outside of e-commerce. 90% of companies are not talking about cost and price mm-hmm. on the website, excluding like restaurants, right? So that's crazy. And for B2B service businesses, it's like 98% are not talking about cost and price. And so they just expect the buyer to act like it's 1995 right. and they've got to call the company first to gauge this crap. It's ridiculous, man. I think, and this is where we are. Yeah, I think one of the metrics is, you know, in terms of like um, customer acquisition cost. Think about how much not answering your questions, closing your, your, your customer's fear gap early on is costing you as a seller. It's, it's costing you a ridiculous amount because what happens, right? You get to the end. They're finally like, okay, I'm finally going to find out how much this thing's going to cost me. Oh, that's too much. It's out of my budget. I wasn't prepared for it. Whereas if you would just insert that closure of not knowing, that closing the ignorance right. gap early, it would save you as a seller, as a service provider, an extreme amount. You know, talk about codes. Um, 
in conjunction with what we're talking about, I think one of the major ones for me is this simple statement, buyers aren't dumb. <laughs> in other words, they might start off uninformed in that buyer's journey, but eventually they're going to be informed. So the whole question revolves around who are they going to learn from? It's yeah. either going to be one of three things. It's either going to be a competitor, which the thought of that really stinks. Right. It's going to be a third-party site that doesn't even sell the thing, but they're just like groveling off of everybody else's work. Really stinks. Or it's going to be me. I want to dictate conversations. I want to be a part of conversations. I want to at least have my hat in the ring on every question, worry, fear that has anything to do with that product or service I sell. And the beauty of this ad, regardless of whether it's B2B, B2C, doesn't matter, yeah. service product, it definitively applies. Now, that's another cheat code. How do we tap into fear of our buyers? In, in your book, you talk about fear brainstorming as, as an exercise. What are, what's the cheat? That is a cheat code. How do we actually make ourselves able to get in a state of fear brainstorming? What's that mental model? For some one? reason, this is this is one of those things where I, I, it blows my mind. Some people have been in their business so long they've forgotten what it's like to be a buyer. And so, I'm going to answer your question in a minute. But let me. I got. I got. One of the things that I espouse is I think everybody should have on their website, a section that says who we're not a good fit for. It's powerful. That is powerful. And it, it leads to you becoming very, very trusted because if you are a good fit for somebody, they're going to read that and they're going to read both sides of it and they're going to be like, oh, good. Yeah, they're a good fit for me. Sweet. I'm really energized. I'm really jacked to talk to them. One time I was speaking to a very high-end yacht builder uh, to their dealer base. And I said, now keep in mind, it's high-end yachts, average one, um, average one or the starting point is like 1.5 mil. That's the, like the starting low number. And so I say to, the, to this group and the CEOs in the room, I want you to write down a sentence for whom your product, your yachts, would not be a good fit for. And people were writing down answers and the CEO could not think of a single answer. And I'm like, how do you? Not, how can you not think of an answer? She's like, I just, I can't think of who this wouldn't be for. I said, um, how about me, who loves to fish, and if I'm on the water, I'm going to be bringing bloody tuna on the deck. He says, yeah, it's probably not a good fit for you. Well, then let me know that if you're really into fishing, these yachts are probably yeah. not the best fit for you. Start to think like a buyer, buddy. But he was so on track, he couldn't do it. Wow. That's wild, right? And so the reason why we tend to struggle with things is because we can't seem to empathize and put ourselves in the shoes of the buyer, right? And really understand what those fears, worries, issues, concerns are. Which, by the way, I don't think it's hard because I can think like a buyer even though I'm selling the thing. Because you are so one. You gotta that's right. Yeah. You got to strip yourself of that curse of knowledge that you have because you're in the business. And then you say, 
Okay, what are the fears? The fears usually start with this. Is it true that? Somebody told me that. How could this blow up in my face? What could go wrong if? Like just vomit those out on a page, write them down, and now you're going to start to say, huh, this is interesting. I don't care what it is, a product or service. There's a slew of them mm-hmm. that if you do this activity, you can come up with at least seven to ten pretty quickly. And if you can't, it means you've lost touch with your customers. You got a problem. You need to spend about a week or so with your sales team. Absolutely. Yeah, buyer psychology is for some folks. It, it it's a it's well, it really is. It's another set of skills. It's you know, can can you actually tap into the heads, the hearts, the minds? The can you truly empathize? The other thing is, are you willing, you know, that idea of we just don't want to pull our head out of the sand, right? The ostrich syndrome syndrome that we have as brands, as business leaders. Let's lift our head out. Let's let's walk the walk. Let's go through it and never lose sight of that because we're we buy, we make decisions rational, of course, but then also highly emotionally. That's the that's the elephant, right? The big powerful driver of the of the, the psyche. Hundred percent, man, and it works over and over again. And to me, a lot of it too goes back to the golden rule, right? And when it comes to to marketing, I think we overcomplicate things all the time. It's like, hey, would we appreciate it if they did that for us? Well, yeah, okay. So let's figure out how to do it for them. What's interesting, Ed, it's 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 the debates shouldn't be about what we should be talking about mm-hmm. because that should be settled the moment. We say, yeah, we get asked the question all the time. Okay, book done. You sh- that means you should be talking about it. The debate should occur on how do we talk about it most effectively? How do we really answer the question well? Because sometimes, truth be told, you can't specifically answer the question. You know, the book is called They Ask You Answer. The perfect name for the book, Ed, would have been They Ask You Address It Really, Really Well. <laughs> but you see, that's not a very catchy title. So thus, it's They Ask You Answer. People remember that. It's become a thing, right? And so you, you, I hear folks get caught up on the, yeah, but I can't answer that question because I have compliance issues, Marcus. Bullcrap. You can address it. And sometimes in the process of addressing it, you explain why you can't specifically answer it. But the key is being willing to attend the party, right? Right? To be a part of the conversation. If you do that, you're doing better than the high majority of your competitors in the marketplace. I like what you're saying there. You're, you're talking about for being forthcoming with information, even if it's your weakness, even if, like you said, with compliance, well, we can't because due to compliance reasons and or just the, the risk so the risk mitigation, um, optics, etc. But this idea of being like extremely forthcoming with information about your business, a, you know, the elephant in the room addressing your potential weaknesses, or even saying like like you just said, you're not a good fit as a customer in the, it, if you fit these this criteria. Get to those closure statements very quickly for the buyer and then we all move on and then then what happens is you disproportionately allow yourself to focus on where the real success lies in trying to create good businesses that's right that's right that's good but then anything moving moving the trust equation further up that funnel mm-hmm. now this um so i want to talk a little bit about content right so content is 
the the vehicle and or the medium of the message and how we get that out there. Um, in terms of like types of content, we were talking about you know pricing of of course, but then you have an awesome like five types of content: problems, pricing. Like yeah, it's the best cheat code of the book right here. It's the big five: <laughs> problems, pricing, and cost. Verse in yep. comparison, reviews and best in class. Can you unpack yeah. that a little for me? Yeah. So there's five subjects that as buyers and consumers we're obsessed with, we research, we want to understand before, keyword, before we engage companies. Uh, and they are, to your point, costs, problems, comparisons, reviews, and best. And what's so sad is most companies don't want to talk about these five. So it creates a paradox of once. Buyer-consumer wants the information. Business doesn't want to talk about it. Now we have trust gap, right? That's a, that's a huge problem. So then the question becomes, okay, Marcus, I'll play. How do I address each one of those five things? Well, we've already talked about cost and price. Right. Cost and price, you don't have to put a specific exact price on the page, but you got to be willing to explain the following five things. Number one, what drives cost up in the industry? Number two, what drives cost down? Number three, why are some companies so expensive? Number four, why are some companies so cheap? Number five, roughly, where do you fall? Mm -hmm. And you do that over the course of 1,500 to 2,500 words on your pricing page. And you should have a pricing page and I'd argue video for every major product or service you sell. So that's how I would do it. And I'd have a pricing tab on your navigation bar as well, because you'll see that's one of the most prolifically searched and used and clicked yeah. sections of your website, as well it should be. And so that's the way to talk about cost and price. Remember, what commoditizes something is ignorance allowing it to exist in the marketplace. You decommoditize it, and now you build value. That's what sales is all about, and that's what the buyer wants. And then you talk about problems. In every industry, people are asking, is it true that? Somebody told me that. What are the negatives with? What are the issues with? How could this blow up in my face? What's so interesting about the problems one, though, is this. It's only when somebody's researching – the only time somebody researches what's wrong with something, Ed, is when they want to buy it. Right. So in other words, the person that researches online, what are the problems with the fiberglass pool? Guess what? They're really serious about a fiberglass pool. Right. They, if they're only thinking concrete, they ain't buying – they ain't, Doing that search. They've already envisioned it in their backyard in that nice place around the fence. It's already there in their heads. As soon as we're interested in something, we say, okay, what could go wrong? And that's where the problems statements come into play. And they exist for every single product or service, every single industry. It doesn't matter. And then we got comparisons. Comparisons is prolific. How many times have you gone online, if you're listening to this right now, and you said this versus that, to use the word versus or compared to? I mean, mm-hmm. we've all done it hundreds of times. Now, the key to comparisons, and this is where most companies screw this up at, is they don't understand how to do it in an unbiased way. And that's key. So let me quickly, if I, if, if, if I may, yep. explain how this works. And I talk about in the book, it's called disarmament or disarming the reader or the listener so that immediately instead of being defensive postured and saying, I don't trust this guy, I don't trust this company, they're leaning in and saying, wow, did they really just say that? So for example, let's say I was doing a video on uh, fiberglass versus concrete pools. Now keep in mind, I only sell fiberglass pools, right? Now, if I do that video or I write that article, people are going to expect it to be biased. So I need to immediately disarm them and help them feel like, wow, he has my best interest at heart. He's unbiased. I'm going to pay attention to what this dude's saying. So I, 
That's right. Disarm them. Here it comes. Yeah. That's right. And so this, I'm going to give you an intro to any paragraph you could ever do for any comparison piece. And you could follow this outline every single time and it would sound the same. So it would sound something like this. You know, one of the questions we get here all the times at River Pools is, okay, Marcus, be honest with me. Why should I choose fiberglass over concrete? Well, the truth is you shouldn't always choose fiberglass over concrete. In fact, there is times when concrete is the better option. So what this video is going to do, it's going to explain to you honestly and transparently the pros and the cons of both types of pools. And then hopefully by the end, you'll have a great sense as to which is the best choice for you. Bang. Now, let's say that I was comparing my agency, which is called Impact. Let's do a B2B service-based example. My agency, Impact versus another agency, SmartBug, which is literally one of our major competitors, okay? So I might say this. You know, one of the questions we get all the time here at Impact is, okay, Marcus, be honest. Tell me, who should I choose? Should I choose Impact or should I choose SmartBug? Well, the truth is, the answer is it depends. Some people should choose SmartBug. Some people should or some companies should choose Impact. So what this video or what this article is going to do, it's going to explain to you the key differences and the types of services that both agencies offer. And then by the end, hopefully, you'll have a clear sense as to which is the best choice for you. Notice I did the same thing, Ed, but both times I disarmed you enough to make you lean in and say, on, did he really just say that? I, this guy is totally has my best interest at heart. That's disarming. That's the key to comparisons. Awesome. Okay. Super powerful. Then we've got, yeah, then we've got reviews. Now, reviews and comparisons, that disarming feature is very similar. It has to be done in reviews. People say, should I review my own products and services? Yeah. Now, the mistake, though, that we too often see is that we are so biased because we only talk about who it's for and why it's good and why people love it. But if you do an effective review, you talk about who it's for and who it's not for. All right, you got to talk about pros and cons. You got to look at both sides of the coin. Right. Okay, so if I was going to do a review of fiberglass pools, I would say, you know, something like this Are you looking at fiberglass pools and you're trying to find out are fiberglass pools the best fit for me? Well, truth is, fiberglass pools have a lot of benefits, but they've got disadvantages as well. In this video, we're going to look at what some of those benefits are, but we're not just going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of those drawbacks and limitations, and this way you'll be able to figure out if fiberglass pools are the right choice for you. Notice the same pattern again, right? Perfect cheat code for you to use over and over again. But on that particular uh, uh, video now, I'm reviewing fiberglass pools, and I'm going to talk about the fact that they have size limitations, they have shape limitations. I'm going to just be open with that. I'm not going to hide it. And that's going to endear people to me. So that's the fourth of the big five. And the fifth of the big five is best of. People are constantly searching best or most or top or loudest or quietest. You mean quietest, Marcus? What do you mean by that? Like quietest dishwasher of 2022. That's an example of – so any extreme, any extreme would be a best-based piece of content. We don't necessarily buy the best. But we want to understand, we want to get a sense for the market and how it stacks up. That allows us to feel like we've done our due diligence and we've done our research, right? So for me, as a pool company, it might be, hey, what are the who are the best uh, fiberglass pool manufacturers 
of 2022. As an agency, it might be who are the best HubSpot partners of 2022. But I need to be willing to talk about it. And yeah, I'm going to mention all my competitors too, the ones that I respect, because that's what we do. And that's how we become the Wikipedia of our space. Yeah. People are the big five. Yeah. Folks are so scared to talk about the competitors because. Oh, well, now we're, we're saying because they assume buyers are dumb, Ed, <laughs> and they're not. Yeah, you they see, are. it goes yeah. back to the cheat codes. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, is it? Let, let me give you an example. <laughs> For years, nobody had talked about the difference between fiberglass and concrete pools. Why? Because here's what fiberglass pool guy was saying. There, this person was saying, okay, if I mention concrete pools. <sighs> Well, then people will know concrete pools exist. (laughs) So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to talk about concrete pools. And now nobody will know concrete pools even exist. Isn't that crazy, right? It's the dumbest idea ever. Yet it happens over and over again. The year is 2022 and we still see it all the time. It goes back to because we we know buyers eventually are going to be informed. Right. We're not going to treat them like dummies. And we're going to address the obvious questions. Like if somebody wants to know who your competitors are, roughly how long would it take them to figure it out? Seconds. Now, that wasn't the case in 1990, but it's not 1990. We have this thing called the internet. So they're going to figure out who the competitors are. They don't have to go and look it up in the encyclopedia. And so now let's just say, okay, start from a place that they're informed. Let's just make sure they learn it all from us. Love that. We can't lose sight that it changed everything. You can't ex- assume it's still the way it was. Yeah, own the own the conversation, answer the questions. That's right. Wow, so many cheat codes dropped in there. And then one one of the things you were hitting on in terms of you know twenty two uh, video, you hit on video and putting video in, and how important and or how should brands, how should sellers, how should those wanting to own the information, think about leaning in on video. How? Let me reframe the question. How much has video accelerated the trust equation being created? Oh, my goodness. Never in the history of the world has the phrase seeing is believing been more important than it is today. We want to see it. And as buyers and consumers, if we don't see it, oftentimes it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Because here's why. How many companies, here's an example, right? Uh, how many companies say it's our people that make us different? Everybody. How many companies say that? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Everybody says it's our people. Yeah, uh, your people used to work for their people. So does that mean that they were different then and you were not different? It's like, it ain't your people that make you special. It's showing me the stories behind your people. Allowing me to get to know your people. That's what makes your people special. But saying your people are special is not special. (laughs) See what I'm saying? So our mindset is, as business, has to be this. If we don't show it, it doesn't exist. Nope, can't just say it. If we don't show it, it doesn't exist. We have the best warranties. Okay, have we shown it, like visually proven it? Mm-hmm. Haven't? Not true then. Doesn't exist. Uh, we got the best people. Uh, 
Have we shown the training process they go through? Have we shown the hiring process they go through? Have we you know, shown all the what their day-to-day looks like? Haven't shown it? Doesn't exist. We don't have the best people. It's just noise to the marketplace until we show the thing. Yeah, that is um, pictures worth a thousand words. Our brain, we're visual uh, animals. We need to see things or they don't exist. And or our mind creates a visual on its own. And in that process, we put in misinformation. We fill it. So the more we show it through video, you know, new and emerging forms of content, um, beyond video, right? The th- what's the back of it look like? What's it look from like from the side, like the three? That's right. I look at some of these like cool brands out there. You know, they've got all the content. They've got the spin sets flying around. I'm looking for a new bike right now. Actually, I'm in the market for a new gravel bike, uh, carbon fiber frame, and I want to see the geometry. Every nook and every nook and cranny. Yeah, you want to see it all. That's exactly. That's exactly right. And this is also why never in the history of the world has e-commerce become more prevalent to businesses, and that's B2B especially, right? It was, we already knew that e-commerce was a big deal, B2C, but now in the B2B space, it's becoming a huge deal. You can't be effective with e-commerce and not be great with video. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably shouldn't say it that absolutely, but it's pretty much the case. I mean, you've got to get to the point where you're showing the thing at just a higher level. Anything that you and I think has to be sold in person eventually is going to be sold online. And that's because the visual experience is going to be such that it will allow us to feel like we were there, that we saw the thing. The simplest way to do that right now is through video. I mean, no question about it. And video doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to have a lot of equipment. And your competitors are not doing video well right now, if you're listening to this. They're not doing well. So you've got a blue ocean of opportunity to attack. That is awesome. Yeah, I I often – I have this framework I use around content, uh, volume, variety, velocity – in veracity, that third one, the truth in content is folks. You know, I, they're like, Ed, what does veracity of content mean? I have to explain it a little bit, but uh, you know, it's the truth or it's the, the honesty, like one of your major cheat codes that I love, which is like, which is honesty or like, I'll just call it try honesty. It works every time stick to the facts mm-hmm. in, in yeah. content and video. And uh, this multimedia is like that. Show me. Um, does that also translate? I want to go back on your, like, my people are different. And, and also you talk about like humanizing a lot of what we do, of course, you know, walking in their footsteps, et cetera. But what, what can some brands do to, I'll call it humanize the inside of their business, meaning the, like, we'll call it the employee and, or the employee could putting them in front of a brand versus behind it. Are you seeing some, some brands see a lot of trust building with putting their people out there, whether that's, um, yeah. And and let me just say a lot of brands are afraid to do this because they're worried about headhunters, which I just think is dumb because, you know, uh, with my agency, I drive hard to make stars out of all of our people that, especially that are willing to be stars. In other words, if they're willing to get in front of a camera, if they're willing to be in the public eye, I want to help them build their Mm -hmm. brand. And as I help them as we help them as a company build their brand on an individual level. They build the company's brand on a collective level, and they feel more aligned with the company, with the organization, not less. 
And so one of the easiest ways that you can show that your people are different is just help allow them to be subject matter experts on mm-hmm. camera when talking about your product or service, answering all those fundamental questions that you hear every single day. So that's one of the easiest ways uh, to do it. And other ways to do it is 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 don't look at video just as, hey, we make videos and we put it on our website. How many of the emails you send out are video-based your customer service team should be sending out video-based emails, not just text-based or just yeah. Phone it's calls, that it's that building right? an asynchronous human-to-human relationship. It, you're right. not just the. It's never been easier. Mm-hmm. These to- most of these tools don't even cost anything to use. Literally, don't cost anything, and you can send one-to-one videos. That's so powerful, and it stands out, right? I mean, my mentality is this: I want every single person that I ever meet to have in the business world to have seen my face before I've seen theirs. That's it. That's what I want. I want them to feel like they've seen my face before I've seen theirs. I want them to feel like they've heard my voice before I've heard theirs. I want them to feel like they know me before I know them. And if that occurs, I'm going to walk into every relationship with a relationship of trust from the get-go. That's foundational. That's a beautiful thing. That's awesome. And now, Switching topics here a little bit, but I know one of the things you're massively passionate about is when you you present, you go up on stage, you don't just want to entertain and or be the show. You want to embed in people a call to action to go do something. You did that with me. I went immediately went and got a pricing page going and we did some research. We got it out there. Yeah. Um, in terms of, for the audience folks listening today, in terms of the idea of like getting into the fear. So the fear brainstorming and then some recommendations for folks to do in terms of answering customers questions. What, what are the actionable, you know, three to five steps that folks can go do to start that process tomorrow? Well, to me, everything starts with a brainstorm and you uh, start with the big five mm-hmm. and you say, what are all the cost questions that we know people are asking? What are all the problems or the, is it true that, or the negative questions that we know people are asking, again, about our products or service? And when you do the brainstorm, do it in such a way that your company in doesn't exist yet. So in other words, like, we don't, don't make your questions, what are your warranties at river pools, let's say? Instead, it would be, what are the warranties of a fiberglass? Can I pool? use a word right there, reimagine? Like reimagine yeah, everything. Yeah, it's a good way to look okay. at it. That's right. And so uh, to your point, reimagine it so that your company doesn't exist. They're asking general questions. They're going online right now, and they're asking questions about cost problems, comparisons, reviews, and best. Brainstorm those. Now, if you do this well, you're going to have 50 to 100 easy. 50 to 100 yeah. easy. Because you'll have a multi Multitude probably under cost, multitude under each one of these. And that makes up your editorial calendar. And if you stick to that through text and video, your your brand's going to blow up. Now, I will say this. Quality and quantity both matter. True. They both matter. It's not one or the other. It's both. And we've seen that there's a clear hockey stick of, of, of trust traffic lead sales when you produce at least three pieces of content a week as an organization. Produce and publish three pieces of content a week. You do that for 18 months, and you'll never look back. And you'll dominate your industry. You will dominate your industry. The problem is a lot of companies do one or two or three a month. 
and it's it's a lot more difficult to get the traction that you want. That's just, I'm just being very honest here. If if you could do it and get away with one or two a month, I'd tell you, but you can't if keyword if you want to become that dominant voice within your space. You need to strive for also algorithmic success in the process. Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's a part of this that you're you're training Google to come back often to appreciate your stuff. You're showing that you're committed to being a great teacher in your space. Right? I mean, these all these things matter, and then you just get that I call it the law of compound information. Mm-hmm. So instead of you know instead of the law of compound interest, which is what investors use to grow wealth, the law of compound information is contingent on a couple of major factors as to whether or not you get rich. First major factor is when did you start? Did you start producing content now? You're going to wait five years. Next factor, how much did you invest? In other words, did you invest one article a week, one article a month, or three a week? Right? And so the amount of your investment. Now you put those two things together, the time and the amount of the investment, and that's what's going to dictate whether you're rich at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, etc. Right? Or, or never at all. And so the law of compound information works that way online. It's beautiful to watch the snowball. And eventually, what's so cool is if you do it the right way, eventually, first year or so, it feels like you're pushing the snowball up the hill, but eventually it crests the hill and it starts to come down. And one day you push and you let go. And it just keeps rolling by itself. And that's what happened with River Pools. And I've seen it happen with many companies. And that's how you get to a point where like River Pools getting about a million visitors a month to the website, most traffic swimming pool website in the world. Another company that you read about in the book, they ask you answer, Yale Appliance, getting a million visitors mm-hmm. a month uh, as, as the leading kitchen appliance retailer uh, in the world through They Ask You Answer. I mean, I could go down the list of companies that are just absolutely dominating their industry because they followed the framework. They adhered to the cheat codes, if you will. That's awesome. Uh, is there a cheat code that you want to drop before we we close? Is there anything that you know we need, this audience needs to hear that one last thing? Or other than the fact that it, other than the fact if you're listening to this, you need to follow me on LinkedIn uh, because I'm a dang good follow on LinkedIn if you're listening to this right now. Let me give you just two more quick cheats, okay? Two more quick cheats. Number one, it's dumb not to dumb. So this it is rapid fire online. cheat codes? I've yeah, never rapid fire cheat <laughs> I've codes. never done this. Okay? You started it. Thank you. It's great. All right, it's dumb not to dumb it down. The moment you try to look smart online is the moment you're gonna start to look stupid. Stop trying to look smart. Seek communion. That's the key to online. Okay, that was number one. It's dumb not to dumb it down. Number two, don't try to be a jack of all trades online. Instead, seek to be a master of one. Riverpools became the most trafficked swimming pool website in the world, and we didn't do any social media because I said it's going to be a distraction, and I ain't worried about it. I'm going to do text and video on my website, period. And that's how we blew up. I'm not anti-social media. I'm anti trying to be everywhere when you're not going to be everywhere. Because if you try to be a master of all, you'll be a master of none. Try to be a master of one, and then you'll start to dominate your space. This is very, very important. And last thing I'll say, just to reemphasize, consumer ignorance is no longer a viable sales and marketing strategy. For the love of all that's pure and holy, treat them as informed human beings 
and your ability to educate and therefore win trust will be unmatched in the marketplace. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I'll give you an amen. Amen. That is awesome. Well, thank you, Marcus. Um, Really appreciate it. You're doing so much for folks. Um, You lit a fire back up in me. It was in there, but you stoked it even more. (laughs) Uh, I've got so much to do. We have, you know, let's get folks, let's get brainstorming, right? Let's get, let's get in there. Let's, uh, let's be brave. Let's, um, you know, let's get human again and let's, uh, let's, uh, let's do that in a way that, uh, is good for all of us, the buyer and, uh, and the seller. Let, you know, let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Marcus, thank you so much. Um, thank you for coming on Marketing Cheat Codes. My pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I want to thank our guests for their time and everyone out there in a primo land for listening. This episode was written, mixed, and produced by Glenn McManus. Our associate producer is Noah Horberg. Our production coordinator is Izzy Herbst. And our creative director is Sonny Okamoto. Our series is hosted by Ed Briald. And I'm your co-host, Sam Chapman. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us or review us everywhere you listen to podcasts and be sure to keep the conversation going by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss or want to be a guest, head on over to the URL in the episode description and drop us a line. Until next time, thanks for listening.